0: All right, so as Curtis mentioned, I'm Adam. Some of y'all know me, some of y'all may not. Uh, Really blessed to be here this morning. Uh, I think a group like this is super important, that we get a bunch of men in community uh, building into each other, uh, worshiping, going through the word together. Uh, Though I would be lying if I did not tell you that my wife's a vegetarian, and I really appreciate the sausage and bacon in the mornings. So uh, that is a part of why I'm here. I really like sausage and bacon. Um, Speaking of my wife, uh, she says that I have two flaws. The first is that I don't listen very well, and I don't remember what the second one was. So, anyway, uh, a little about me before I get rolling here. Uh, I did grow up in Olive Branch first, so I was born in Olive Branch. Um, my family moved out to Montana when I was 11, I think, if I'm doing the math right. Uh, and it was a blessing a blessing growing up here uh, in the Bible Belt. Uh, so I grew up in a, in a Lutheran church. Uh, don't hold that against me, I attend here now. But <clears throat> I had uh, very spiritual parents, very spiritual grandparents, so I was very blessed to uh, grow up with people who were pouring into me. Uh, my, my parents were always uh, speaking about the word. Our bedtime stories were, were Bible stories. Um, My grandparents were always present, always pouring into us. Uh, So I was really blessed in that regard. Uh, And then building on that, the concept of male leadership is really, really important, which is part of why I really enjoy this group. Uh, So my my dad was very present in my life. He was always there. Uh, He did work a lot, but he was always there to answer questions. He was there to give support. He was at soccer games, rugby games, everything. My grandfather was very present, very spiritual, uh, always took care of us. He showed me around his woodworking shop, taught me all about tools, taught me all about building things and using your hands. And uh, he, he passed away when I was 10 years old, so I only had 10 years with him, but that 10 years of my life is still present today because of how much he poured into me. So I think it's really really important that we do this male leadership thing <clears throat> so as Curtis mentioned, I am currently going through the downline program, uh, which is a discipleship program here in Memphis uh It's nine months of pretty intense study uh we're reading through something like eighty five or ninety percent of the Bible, and uh we're having we have four classes a week put into two days a week, so it's four hours a week and uh it's a lot, it's a big commitment, but I think it's really important. Um, and it has uh, actually opened my eyes to a lot of things. So that male leadership that I talked about is something that I've always taken for granted. Um, never really thought about it. And as I've gone through this first month or so of downline, it, it really became apparent that I I was very lucky to have that. So I know that not everybody has that. And I uh, really wanted to harp on that because this, this group of guys here, I know there's men with children, men with grandchildren. If you don't have kids or grandkids, you've got nieces or nephews. You have people that you can pour into. So it's really, really important that you do that because it it flows, it it shows later in life. Um, so after, after my family moved to Montana, I lived there until I was 18. Uh, and then I came back here to go to Mississippi State. So I know there's a lot of state guys here. State's a good school. And if y'all go to Old Miss, I don't hold it against you. Uh, as long as Mississippi wins, it's okay, and as long as Egg Bowl Day, Mississippi State wins. We're good. So while I was there, I met Ashley, and uh, she kind of drugged me back here, so she's gone here all of most of her life, and uh, she's got a lot of family in the area. And uh, when I ended up back here, my dad said, son, why are you back in Memphis? What, what have you done? But uh, I really think that it was, it was a calling, it's a blessing. I think there's a need. Uh, So, I ended up here because that's where I was meant to be. So, I guess rolling into the lesson here this morning, um, if we uh, go back to two weeks ago, Price talked about the Great Commission, uh, which is kind of a surprise for me because I was going to talk about the Great Commission this morning, but uh, I'm just going to build on it instead. Uh, So, I want to start off by reading the Great Commission here. So, we're going to be in Matthew 28. Uh, We're just going to read 19 to 20. So it says here, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that is the Great Commission. So it's a call to action. It's a call to go out into the world and disciple others. Uh, It's not something that we read and we skim over and just bypass. It is a call to action. It's something that we have to do. And I think it's really, really important to do that. So today I'm gonna kinda discuss a a bit of strategy for how to live out the Great Commission. And uh, before I do that, I wanna give you some facts. So there are currently just about eight billion people on this planet, which is a lot. Eight billion people and and it's growing every day. And of that eight billion, three billion of those people have never even heard the name of Jesus. That's pretty intense. And then another billion, May have heard of his name, but they've only been lightly evangelized. So they, they know of him, they don't know him. <clears throat> so that's 50% of the world. So I don't know about you, but reach uh, 4 billion people. Sorry, cut out there. How are we supposed to reach 4 billion people? It's kind of, kind of scary, kind of intense. So uh, I would even say daunting. So along those lines, speaking of daunting, I'm going to ask for some class participation here, which is kind of scary. I know it's early, but we can do it. So if we have, can anybody tell me what that says, what that equals? It's 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2. It's 10, right. Cool. We are awake this morning. So that's 10. Right? So then if instead we do this. Now I'm really testing y'all this morning. Does anybody have what that equals? 32. Right. So is one of those bigger than the other? Yeah? I know. It's it's early. It's early, but math's important. So uh, what we're going to talk about today is the concept of multiplication. So, you see there in the first example, it's all the same numbers, but we've added them, and you get ten. But if you use those same numbers and you multiply instead, you end up with thirty-two. So, it's more than three times greater than the other one, even though you started with all the same numbers. So, there are some scriptural references that go along with this. Uh, so, we've got Acts two forty-one. Um, it, it says there that that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And then later on in the same same uh, chapter there, 247, it says the Lord was adding to their number day by day. And then we hit 514, and it says the disciples, I'm sorry, wrong verse there. 514, it says men and women were constantly added to their number. But then we move into chapter six, and we see in six, verse one, it says the disciples were increasing in number. And so I'm not a biblical language scholar here. Ben and I were talking about that this morning. But uh, if you dig into the, the original translation there, the Greek, uh, the word they use there for increasing is plethuno, which is the Greek word for multiplication. So what's really interesting here is there's a shift between verses five and six. Um, so it goes from adding, adding, adding to increasing, multiplying. And that's, that's a really important shift Because, again, the concept of multiplication means you're going to reach far more people. So it's not just adding to those numbers every day. Um, So the way we do this, the way we live this out, is we pour into people, and then those people pour into others, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, So something that I have taken on this year, and Ben has kind of taken advantage of it, I think, but uh, I have made an effort. Um, I recognized something in myself that was kind of difficult to get a hold of. Uh, I like to say that I'm busy all the time. So I, I say, you know, that sounds like a great opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity, but I've got too much going on. So I've been a little more intentional this year about saying yes to things. And uh, that played out. Ben hit me first early in the year. He said, hey, I've got this opportunity. I'd like I'd like you to come to the binge retreat, and not only do I want you to come to the binge retreat, but I want you to be a small group leader at the binge retreat, and that's not something I felt capable of doing, but I did it anyway, and uh, the hits just kept coming, so I got there and found out that they'd put Jonathan in my group. No pressure, just just minister to the pastor of our church, it's fine, but uh, since then, there's been so many things that have just kind of fallen into line for me because I'm saying yes to more and more stuff. Um, I think it's really important to do so. Uh, downline was one of those things. I uh, we've talked about it for a couple of years, and I've never really been able to justify doing it. Um, always, you know, I don't have the time. I'm too busy. I'm working all the time. Um, I don't think we can do that right now. And we finally hit a point this year where it said, you know, if we don't do it, we're not going to do it. So let's just go for it and we'll just rearrange our schedules and we'll, we'll make it work. And so this last month and a half, two months or so that we've started into it has been, has been an absolute blessing. It has been fantastic. So again, that concept of saying yes, um, it leads you to discomfort. Uh, so for me, standing up here today, it's not something that I'm super comfortable with. Um, I did I did graduate as a educator, so my degree is in education. I no longer work as a teacher. Uh so in theory I should be able to stand up here in front of y'all and speak and be just fine. But there's something really different about speaking to a room full of men that I have relationships with because I don't know, there's like that feeling that if I say something wrong I might, I might be judged. I might be it'll come back to me. But um it's okay. So a group of men like this, we're here to guide each other and to, to pour into each other, and that may not always be the most comfortable thing in the world, and that's okay. So again, I, uh, I really think that concept of saying yes and pouring into each other is super important. Um, I guess if we uh, go on from there, we have an ex- excellent example of discipleship in the gospel uh, in the Apostle Paul. So if we turn over to 2 Timothy 2, 2, I'll read that here. I'll start in verse 1. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So again, that's what, that's what we've been talking about here, is this group of men here that are pouring into each other, pouring into others. Um, it's a very, very important thing that we're doing here. Um, so if we, if we really break this down, there's, a, there's four things that we need to get out of this. So the first one that we have is that it says, you have heard. So that's our first one. Excuse my uh, handwriting there. So it says that you have heard. And so there is, uh, you know, when you, when you read this, you see that, oh, Paul's preaching the gospel and Timothy's heard it. That's the really surface level interpretation of it. But if we flip over to Timothy 3, we see that there's more to it than that. So we're in Timothy 3, or Second Timothy 3.10. And it says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, in Iconium, and at Lystra, which... Persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. So it's more than just hearing. So what's happening here is that Timothy is a uh, is a man that Paul has been pouring into, and it, he's not just speaking to him about the gospel. He's actually living life with him. So he he's following him around. He's seeing everything that happens to Paul. He's hearing everything that he's saying, and not just that, he sees that Paul lives the life that he's telling Timothy about, and that's very, very important. Um, so Price and I were talking this morning, and uh, he's got a friend that uh, his family was, was pouring into him telling, him, telling him about the word of Jesus, but they don't live the life. And so his friend is, is experiencing difficulty with that because these people who are telling him, you have to be a believer, you have to be a believer, you have to be a believer, don't live the lifestyle that they're trying to tell him that he has to follow. And so it's, it's very, very important that we as men live that life, walk that life, and use it to pour into other people. So it's not just about telling people, hey, you need to believe in Jesus. It's telling them, hey, I think you should believe in Jesus, and here, let me show you how to do that. So the things that you do, the actions that you take, that stuff really follows you, uh, it, and it sticks with the people that you uh, are around. People see that, whether you know it or not. Um, do we have anybody in here that likes country music? Yeah? Yeah? Secretly? Well, now it's not a secret, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> so there's a there's a song that I really like, it's by Rodney, Rodney Atkins, it's called Watching You, if any of y'all know that one. So the, uh, the concept here, the song is all about this father who is driving through town with his son in the truck, his four-year-old son, and uh, traffic light turns red, he stomps the brake, and his son's McDonald's goes everywhere, and he hears his son say a four-letter word. And he says, what have I done? And he's, the song goes on, and uh, he's, he's talking about how his son is picking up everything from him. He's only four years old, but he learned that four-letter word somewhere. He had to have heard it from someone. But then later on in the song, it kind of shifts, and he's putting his son to bed at night, and uh he goes to put his son into the bed, and his son instead gets down on his knees next to the bed, puts his hands together, and he starts to pray. And he said, "That's that's a really important thing because you know he saw he heard that four-letter word somewhere, but at the same time he also knows that his dad is praying and he's speaking to God. And so they pick up on the good and the bad, and that's not just children; that's anybody that we're around every day. It's very, very important that we model the lifestyle that we expect people to live when we pour into them as disciples. Uh, I did say four things. I've only written one of them up here. but uh, So that's the first one, we hear. The second is that we entrust. And this one here is, uh, if you if you think about the concept of entrusting something to someone, it means that I've given it to you, right? And I want you to hold on to it for me. But the way that Paul says this to Timothy here is not just that he's given something to him and he wants him to hold on to it. Like, hey, keep this safe. I'm going to come back for it later. He gives it to, Paul, or he gives it to Timothy as an investment. And so an investment is something that we want to grow. So if we put something into, let's say, 401Ks or, or IRAs, we want it to grow. We want that to, to build on itself. And so what Paul is doing here with Timothy is he is giving him... The gospel, he is giving him the word, the lifestyle, and he says, I am entrusting this to you, make it grow. I want to see dividends. I want to see it build on itself. So uh, if we really ask ourselves the things that we do in life every day, um, are the things that we're doing Christian activities or are they Christian investments? So it's a, it's a big difference. It seems minute when you just look at the words, but if you really think about what those things are, are we Participating in activities and enjoying things and getting things from them or are we participating in activities in order to build the kingdom? It's a it's a big difference so How do we do that? The third one we've got here we've got faithful men I Do not have the world's best handwriting I apologize so Have any of y'all heard of the concept of fat men? Yeah? Maybe. So the concept of fat men is we have faithful, available, and teachable. Writing vertically is not my forte. So, what we do is we need to go out and find people who are fat men. We need to find people who are faithful, who are available, who are teachable. And what that looks like is uh, the people around you. Look around, see who you can pour into. It may be your son. It may be your grandson. And again, I'm just using the concept of male leadership here. It doesn't have to be a son or a grandson. It can be a daughter or a granddaughter. But Again, for me, the the importance of male leadership is is very important. Um, It's been 20 years since my grandfather passed away, and I still think about the life lessons that he taught me. Um, So for me, what that looked like, my grandfather, when he was on his deathbed, he went in for a routine surgery, and they messed it up. And he had some complications from that, and he never recovered. He was paralyzed from the waist down. He was never gonna walk again, and he never left that hospital bed. But the entire time, he was joyful. He never, he never panicked. He never let it show that it, it was getting to him. He was very, very strong, and all the way up to the end, his faith was, was rock solid. So he had the, uh, as my grandmother said, he had the faith of a child, which is just amazing. It's something that I only wish that I could have. I'm, I'm up here far too often. I'm in my head way too often. And, uh, you know, those doubts and stuff are, are are put there by Satan himself. But at the end of the day, I think about my grandfather. And I think about the faith that he had. And I really, I still remember that 20 years later. Another example for me is uh, my father. So my, I grew up working in the garage with my dad. My dad's a mechanic. So he was always doing stuff with his hands. Um, my first truck, we rebuilt together. Uh, Tore the engine down, completely rebuilt it, and the entire time I was saying, hey, Dad, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I was the kid who asked why all the time. And for him, his spiritual discipline was patience. So even though I asked why constantly, he always answered those whys. He never got frustrated. He never got angry. He did tell me, son, you're using the wrong end of the wrench, but, um, you know, It's fine. He taught me. He poured into me. He invested into me. And again, that shows today, I think. So these these people that you need to find are faithful, available, teachable. Um, It could be somebody who is growing in their faith. It could be someone who is already faithful. Uh, Again, available is the next part. If they are far too busy, that means that maybe they haven't learned to say yes yet. So maybe they haven't learned to open up their lives and share some time. and that's okay because if, if they're really meant to be, God will put that on their heart, they'll come back to you. So those people make themselves available. And then the last one is teachable. So you really want to be able to mold those people. You want to be able to shape them and build them into disciple makers, build them into people who are not only going to learn about the Lord, but then share it with others. Um, so in the Bible, the, uh, the word disciple, I was talking to Ron about this last night. In the New Testament, the word disciple is mentioned 269 times. The word Christian is mentioned three. And the word revival is mentioned zero. But the words that we use today to discuss our faith are Christian and revival. So we don't talk about discipleship making. We don't talk about that. It's not a word that is common, um, even though that's what they talked about in the Bible, in the New Testament. And so it's it's very important that we we kind of take a shift back towards that. that's what we're called to do through the great Commission is to pour into others to disciple others um again, back to the biblical scholar stuff. the word for disciple in the Bible is mathetusite, which is um say that right Ben yeah, you've impressed yeah got my uh my Greek and stuff down today uh, so the definition there is that. It is someone who uh, makes pupils and disciples. So it's not just that you are a disciple, it, the word itself is actively implying that you are making disciples. So it's not just calling you to be a disciple, it's calling you then to further invest in others. So I think that's very, very important that we mention that. So again, faithful, failable, teachable. The last one we've got here is Others, so he says. Others also. So it's really important here that we find those those fat men, those faithful, available, teachable men, and we pour into them, we invest into them, but we also equip them to approach and pour into others also. So again, that is how this works. Um, again, we started off with the idea of addition, but what happens here when we do all of this is let me uh, draw this out for y'all. We have. Paul pouring into Timothy who pours into the faithful men who then pour into all these other dudes. So kind of haphazard there. What happens is Paul pours into Timothy who pours into faithful men who pour into others. And if you notice, if it was just 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 all the way through we wouldn't have that many guys. But if Timothy pours into three and they each pour into others, that's where you get that concept of multiplication. It really spreads out. You reach the, you reach the earth. Um, kind of like Price mentioned two weeks ago, um, I don't want to repeat statistics, but I do think it was a good one. If you were to uh, share the gospel with 1,000 people a day and the population of the earth did not increase, it would take you, how many years was that, Price? It would take you thousands of years to reach everybody. Hundreds of years, it's more than than my lifetime for sure. But if you use the concept of multiplication, and you go two by two by two, and each man invests in two more men, you you reach the entirety of the earth in 35 years. That's within my lifetime, we can do that. But we have to take action, we have to do it. So at face value, that number four billion that we mentioned at the beginning, the half the population of the earth that has really never heard the word of Jesus, that's a huge number but if we if we take this super simple strategy and we utilize it, you reach the world and uh, I think it's really, really important thing there. So how do we apply this into our daily lives that's that's kind of the the problem. It's still kind of daunting like where do we where do we do this? So we have um, opportunities here at the church there are youth leadership positions. You can go and be a a small group leader for the high school group, for the middle school group. If you really feel called for the middle school group, I apologize, but um, they're a handful. Uh, But my personal, my personal one, um, again, Curtis mentioned at the beginning, we've started up a young adult group here that's kind of in its infancy. Uh, It started two years ago or so, and there were a few of us who came, and very small. And we got more intentional, more involved, Set up uh, to have contact through the church. So we've been running things through Michelle, Michelle Jenkins, and uh, she's our, our contact who kind of organizes us and gets us all set up. And uh, one of the things that we are still missing is Bible teachers. So we're always, always open for Bible teachers. It's pretty easy commitment. I've hit some of y'all up, called Marvin in on that one, and uh, I think it was enjoyable. Yeah. So, um, Bible teachers, um, again, your children, your, and, uh, another one that is, that is really important in the area here is, is forward students. This one is kind of crazy because, um, we have these kids who come in from out of town to study here. Uh, and one of the things that happens in other cultures is they, when they go somewhere, they bring a suitcase with them full of gifts to give to people. They give those gifts to people who invite them into their homes and what happens is that the vast majority of these students come over to America, they come to study here, they bring their suitcase full of gifts, and they leave. And they've never opened the suitcase because they were never invited into anyone's home. And that's, that's a really big missed opportunity um, because those, those kids they go out, they go back to other countries. And so we, we can have an impact here, but if you pour into those people who go back overseas, you've planted a seed elsewhere. Very, very important. So, in closing, I've got, I've got two things for y'all. Um, any of y'all hunters in here? you like deer hunting, elk hunting? So, there's the concept of a shirker bull, or a shirker uh, deer, that's a, a male deer or elk, that during the rut, during the, the season where they're mating, uh, they fight each other. So, they're they're in competition for their mates. But the shirker bull, instead of fighting the other males for dominance, for for breeding rights, he backs off, he doesn't, he doesn't fight them. And what happens is he, his caloric intake is the same, he's still eating the same amount of food, but he's not expending energy fighting others. He's not expending energy going out into, into the world and fighting for his, his right to breed. And so his rack grows, it gets much bigger, and he ends up with this huge majestic rack, and he, he's impressive, he's, he's glorious. But what does all that glory mean if he can't spread the seed, if he can't breed and share his genes. So all of that glory, all of that investment, is just for show. And that's kind of how we are sometimes. We we pour into the word, we read the word, but then we don't do anything with it. So the easiest way for Satan to stop this right here is to wrap it up in something really, really good. So if he picks One of these people, let's say he finds Paul. That's where he wants to stop it because it's a lot easier to stop this here than it is down here. And so what he does is he wraps things up in something that looks really, really good. And at face value, it is good. So the most common thing that we see here, and for those of you who uh, can't see that, that is a, a little box house with a cross on the top. So what happens is he... He puts on Paul's heart, i got to be a church man. i got to go to church. And so, again, that's not a bad thing. That is a place that we go for investment and growth. But the point is, is, Paul is supposed to be spreading this way out. And if all he ever does is go to church and say, I'm there on Sunday, I'm on every committee, I'm in every class... He's really facing this way. And so he's building into his own growth at that point, but he's not sharing it. And so we really need to do that. Again, that's not to say that coming to church is a bad thing. That's not to say that joining committees is a bad thing. But if you never do anything with it, you never take action. It's a really, really difficult thing. So that stops that multiplication. So we we have to be intentional. We have to pour into others in order to spread the gospel. So the last thing I've got for y'all today is Acts 17, six. So Paul and Silas are in Thessalonica. Uh, They go in and they're in the synagogues and they're preaching Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. And it angers them and these people come after them. And so they go to the house where where Paul and Silas are staying and they're saying, send out these men who have turned the world upside down. So they're telling him, send them to us. Let us stone them in the streets. And so I would ask y'all, in closing here today, that uh, are we still men that have turned the world upside down? So that's all I've got for today. Thank you.